Welcome to the Vox Community Podcast. You can learn more about Vox Community at voxoc.com. Join us on Sunday mornings at El Dorado High School in the Performing Arts Center at 9 and 11 a.m. Good morning, Vox. Hello. Let me hear you. Uh, this is Mike. I'm coming at you live from the Vox World headquarters, my basement, Columbus, Ohio. Holy cow. I'm looking at myself on the screen, and I realize we need a screen this big just to capture the size of my cranium. For those of you that are so married and axe murderer fans, look at the size of his cranium. It's like Sputnik. Um, we're glad you're here this morning, and uh, the the tech we're using is new. So I love you know I love the colorful backdrop we got, and we just need to do a camera check. I want to make sure um, this is coming in HD. So how many chins do you see? I just need to know. We just if if you see one, clearly the camera's not working. There should be a couple there. I can't really tell. Can't really hear you. I need to yell a little little louder. Okay, I'm not hearing any yelling, so I'm going to just keep talking about my chins. No, we're glad you're here today. Welcome to Vox. Oh, hold on a second. You know what? We're There's one technical issue. Hold on. Hold on one second. Um, I'll be right back. I'm sorry. It's your boy, Nate. Oh, I'm just kidding. I was just teasing you. I was just teasing. I was just well, thank everybody who's helped me along my journey. Oh, good stardom. lord! Good lord! Parking, parking stardom. Thank you, thank you, Art. Okay, buddy, you're done. You're done. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Good morning. And if you're wondering what what those hijinks were about. Um, I'll explain in just a second, but um, we're trying we're trying to figure out how much ugliness we can reduce on Skype, and so I'm thinking I'm thinking not much, uh, just uh, based on that little experiment. Uh, my name is Mike Erie. Welcome to Vox. We're so glad that you are with us today. If you missed last week, you missed a pretty significant announcement about our community. Thank you, Bruce. Uh, Due to some health stuff uh, with my mom and with myself, we've got to relocate uh, for a season to uh, Columbus, Ohio, the heartland of America. And, uh, and, and that's happening pretty fast, like so fast that my daughter and I are leaving as soon as the 11 o'clock service is over to make it to Kingman, Arizona, because uh, we just wanted to go see Needles. If you've ever been to Needles, California, it's really beautiful. And, uh, but we don't want to stop there. Um, there was a nice Motel 6 that was, uh, you know, available in Needles, but we thought, ah, I think we'll, we'll keep going. So, um, so anyway, today, um, to celebrate my departure, we have dodgeball, 80s dodgeball, all right? And if you're like, I'm not in the mood to play 80s dodgeball, let me tell you, if you're in any way disappointed, angry, or sad, dodgeball is exactly the remedy that uh, we, we plan this strategically. So there are sign-ups. It's after the 11 o'clock service. There are sign-ups out um, as you come in, there are signups that you can sign up for kid-friendly teams or non-kid-friendly teams, and then you guys can come back, go grab some food, not too much, of course, because we don't want you barfing in the gym, but, um, but uh, you can sign up and then come back. All right, make sense? 
And then uh, we were planning on doing this um, in August anyway. We were going to go to one service. Uh, and so uh, that's going to happen August 6th. That's going to be at 10 o'clock. So for some of you, you're like, no, I like the 9 and I like it early. For some of you are like, man, 9's way too, way too, uh, way too late. And that you are the old people in our church that 9 is way too late. And so sorry, 10, you know, get to the beach later, I understand. But there's been a great desire uh, expressed from our community to be all together. So uh, that's going to start next week, uh, or no, no, in two weeks, pardon me, August 6th. Uh, other than that, there's not much going on. It's just kind of a really slow day around the Vox headquarters. Um, got a couple of things, though. If you, are, uh, if you want to find out more details about everything, go to voxoc.com. You can find out some stuff there. Uh, and, as always, we take questions. Now, last week, so we had this big sort of announcement and, and a bummer, of course, um, at least for me. Some of you were happy. Um, and, uh, and so there was, there was the, the kind of emotional comments being made during this thing. And so we had a young lady named Kelly who, who you know, was like tearfully like, I'm all in. This is the, the only church that I would ever go to, and I'm all in. And this is, I mean, I'm going to raise my commitment. This is all in. And then last night, she texted us that she can't be here today because she was out till four in the morning uh, doing salsa dancing. And so, and I, and I thought, that's perfect. That, that's exactly the kind of all-in we're looking for in the, uh, in the Vox community. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, perfect. I'm all-in. Except when it's salsa night, ladies and gentlemen. And, and who, I mean, I, and I, I'm not, you know, obviously I'm not very cultured as a guy. But um, how do you salsa dance for four or five hours till four in the morning? I mean, what makes that fun? Is there anything, anyone that has done this that can like shed light into, yeah, salsa dancing until four actually is really, really great. Okay, I didn't think so. I don't, I don't, I can't put that together in my brain. So Kelly, bless you. It could be, you could be lying, but we're not sure. All right, so uh, want to take some questions this morning. Um, and, uh, and fire up. I didn't really get a chance to look at these, so I'm not sure what's coming. Uh, question one, with the new news of the Vox changes, I want you to know I'm personally committing to give more financially. Oh my goodness. Thank you. I know when I first found this place, I was willing to commit 50%. Uh, I am 100% in. I love what we have and see how it's so life-giving. I'm not willing to just walk away. That's amazing. Um, is that... Was that the question? I mean, that's amazing. That's an amazing statement. Let's call that statement number one. But I mean, I, I will say this for those of you that are, are like really a part of this thing. The responses that we've gotten, at least to my face and in my inbox, have been remarkable in terms of people saying, no, no, we got this. Like this is a community worth fighting for. And so we're, we're planning to keep, keep it moving. Absolutely. So thank you, whoever wrote that, unless it was Kelly. Um, in which case, you know, I don't know if we can trust that, but okay, question two, this thing with pleasing, what deeply pleases God? Is there a difference between pleasing and impressing? Of course there is. Well, yes, there is. Okay, well, thank you. All right, I'm glad you, I'm glad you answered that. <laughs> 
But like I feel when I say I'm trying to please God, it's like I'm just doing it to get on his good side. Yep, that is the difference between pleasing and impressing. I shouldn't have that mindset, though. However, I can't impress God. He's God, all caps. He can do it all. Your thoughts. My thoughts are that I agree with your thoughts. Um, that if, if the stuff we're doing, it's, it's kind of like um, if, if you're a kid, the difference between impressing your parents because you have another agenda for them or desiring to please them because you value the relationship, those are two totally separate things. Right, so if I'm if I'm manipulating them, it's like you know the story, right? Oh, Dad, you look great today. No, the camera did not add ten pounds. Dad, I'm I'm gonna go wash the car, which has never happened. Uh, Dad, well, hello, Seth Erie. Good morning. How we doing? You got some pancake right there. Perfect. Can you say hi to the peoples? Hi, peoples. It's the nine o'clock service. Seth usually doesn't sit through both, so he comes in at the 11 and, and talks for about 10 minutes as we get the service going. Um, so you just got a taste of that glory. Uh, so you've just, I think you've answered your own question. When I am doing something like my, for my wife, not that I would ever do this or husbands would ever be guilty of trying to romance your wife for the sake of some outcome, I'm just saying hypothetically, um, you know, that, yes, that's trying to impress uh, to please God, um, God's really clear about what that looks like. And it, it is almost exclusively relational. That plays itself out, yes, in action and obedience, but you're not acting and obedient, you're not being, you're not acting and being obedient for the sake of impressing. You're doing that out of the relationship because you delight in what God is like. Oh, shake hands. Okay. Thanks, buddy. <sighs> It was good. It was good talk. All right, buddy. See ya. Okay. Seth Erie. So, so, yes. It's a very fragmented answer. So, yes. Next question. You all did a great job today. Thank you, Texas. Thanks for being an example of caring for people over programs. The hashtag blessed. That's awesome. Thank you. Unless that's Kelly. Uh, next. Hi Mike. Hi, Mike. I'm so sad that you and your family will, not be, will be physically moving away, but I completely understand and know that God will continue to bless the Erie family. How do you know what God's calling is? I love this. It's like, okay, sorry you're moving, but I love that. How do you know what God's calling is? I've seen you take some major big steps and risks after praying. Oh, really? How do you know God is okay with decisions after praying about it? If you did a podcast on this topic, will you tell me the name of it? It seems like you know what God's calling is because you've made some really bold decisions and God created Vox through you. Um, I, okay, well, this has to be, a, we haven't done a podcast on it. We'll do a podcast on it, but let me just say this. This is my, my life's motto, all right, from my mom. If you're gonna be dumb, you gotta be tough, okay? That is the story of my life. So... Do we think God is leading? We think it is right. We think God is leading. Um, but, you know, God can redeem even the worst mistakes. And, and we're, we're confident in his ability to redeem stuff. And in January, when I'm Skyping in, wanting to show you the snow, and you're like, hey, let me tell you about how 60 degrees it is, and we're all on scarves. 
um, you know, I might be jealous. I'm not going to lie. I might be questioning God's will for my life at that point. But I think that's worthy of an entire podcast. So I, I don't, I don't even want to hint at it um, because I, I think that is a genius, genius question. Last one, I think. We're going to miss you and we love you and your family, but we're not going anywhere. Awesome. We actually came here for Matt Chandler. <laughs> so can you finally get him in here maybe as a guest speaker? In seriousness, I have a question. I love this. Hey, we're going to miss you, but I'm still on my journey. I love that. While I hope you return soon, what about the uh, community you're moving to? The Vox message, the Jesus message is so powerful. It seems that you have a phenomenal opportunity to be the same example of Christ in your new community. Have you considered jumping into your new community with both feet and continuing the Vox vision there and maybe coming back here as a backup plan? That's a great question. Um, Yeah, seeing, yeah. Yeah, I think um, what we're hoping, perhaps, that g- the reason that God has arranged all of this is that this community, community continues to flourish. I continue to be a part of it. And because there's a three-hour time difference, it is absolute difference. There's absolutely um, the possibility of doing something at 10 o'clock in Columbus, Ohio, and then uh, beaming in at 10 o'clock here. So uh, it is absolutely possible, and we've considered the possibility because we really, to be, to be really honest with you, I'm terrified. Um, this is the re- most ridiculous thing we've ever done. I question it. I'm scared of it. I've been full of anxiety all week. Um, saying goodbye, I just hate, particularly to you. Um, and uh, so I'm really nervous, to be honest. And... I hope part of what God's up to is that there is a, a rich ministry field um, there. We met with a church planner from uh, Columbus who just said there is nothing like this, nothing even remotely close to this in Columbus right now. And so maybe maybe that's something that God will do. Otherwise, I'm going to be driving um, uh, a UPS truck so I can wear shorts all the time, even in the winter. So that'll be awesome. All right, so... You guys are, you guys, uh, do you see the questions though? Hey, we'll miss you, but hey, we're sorry, but have you considered doing stuff there? I mean, it's absolutely remarkable. You guys are absolutely remarkable. And so I just couldn't be more proud of you. Um, and, and it is a terrible loss to us to not be here physically. You just need to know that from the, from the depths of our being. We do not want to leave. I've left other churches before. Those were very different circumstances. This one, we do not. So I, don't, I consider myself a part of this sucker, and you're going to get sick of seeing that big old face. Man, people are... Kelly just called me. That's funny. Well, we could talk now, but you aren't here. So, you know, I'm not going to pick up. Anyway, that's funny. Um, so what I want to do is uh, before all of this started, we uh, put together a list of some of our favorite teachers. And um, uh, there are three that are going to be teaching over the next several weeks. A guy named Ronnie Roa, who's taught here before. Um, uh, He's going to teach this morning. Uh, Tim Muehlhoff, who some of you know, uh, is going to be to woo. Uh, Last last week it was a smattering of applause. This week it's just one woo. So... um, Oh, okay. Thank you, Jennifer. He's right there, and he received that woo very graciously. Uh, so he's going to be teaching. Uh, and then our, our friend Carrie, the short hair, crazy Carrie, awesome, amazing, leads the freedom movement. She's going to be here. Then a couple of Ronnies, then another Tim Muehlhoff, 
and then another carry, and then uh, and I might jump in uh, in the middle of all that too. So um, our our as we've been commenting and joking, it's like, do you know how many churches would kill for that community of teachers? I mean, that's pretty remarkable. So they're not as good as me, of course, and um, and clearly not as handsome. But I think they're okay for a JV team. It'll be it'll be fantastic. <laughs> So, um, so here's what we're going to do. Today, Ronnie's going to come out and teach, and then we're going to respond after the teaching. Um, and uh, as, as we do, we're going to open up the communion tables. And uh, they're all, even in, in defiance of the Pope's decree against gluten-free communion, we stand as Protestants fighting for gluten-free communion over here. He a- actually issued a decree against gluten-free. Yes, communion, yes. So, so... So here we are, we are standing with the great reformers, 96 theses on the door, number 96, gluten-free is allowed. And uh, so anyway, I, I just, I saw that, someone sent me that and I was like, oh, that's funny. Because, um, you know, I could do away with gluten-free too. I totally agree with this decision. Um, so gluten-free communions over there. But here's what we want to do. Um, after Ronnie's done teaching, the communion stations are around the room, and they're open for everybody. There are, uh, there are ways to communicate prayer requests or things that you're thankful for, things you want us to celebrate with you. Over at those wood, kind of wood panels, you just roll a piece of parchment up and stick it in those wood slots, and we have prayer teams that will pray. We will have prayer, uh, prayer folks and community pastors over there giving boxes around the room. But... Um, so, so the way we kind of see the service is the teaching is the setup to the work of the people. And, uh, and so I want to invite Ronnie out, and I want to pray for him, and then uh, we'll respond to what God says to us. So everybody, say hello to Ronnie Roa. Say hello. Nine o'clock. Hello. Yep. Just when I, when I announced you last yeah, week. Yeah, I got no love. You got nothing. Zero. There was... <laughs> There was applause from Yohoff, but he, he was downgraded it. to a woo. So at least he's like that big box office opening that then yeah. you know, dies the next day. You're going to be like the dark horse <laughs> that's like the independent film that comes out of nowhere, and people are like, dude, that was awesome. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope so. All right, so let me pray. Jesus, thank you for this community. Thank you so much for our friend Ronnie. Pray that you would fill him with your spirit and that you would speak to him. For those who are close to you, may they hear words of blessing and strengthening from those far away. May they hear words of comfort and grace and invitation. And so, Lord, would you, um, as Carrie Underwood said it so clearly, would you take the wheel? Amen. (laughs) Amen. Uh, Good morning. Oh, it's good to be here. It's good to be back. I love this community. It's so fun to be here. Obviously, some, some interesting news, but exciting to see what God's going to do within this community. I'm excited to, to journey in this with you. Um, a little bit has changed since the last time I was here. Uh, I shared uh, my story, a little bit of our journey, my wife and I's journey. Uh, and just to give you some update, we found out we're having another child. So, yeah, yeah, exciting stuff. Uh, when they told us, you know, my wife and I were hoping for a girl, and uh, we were in the room, and, you know, the, like, the anticipation for what it's going to be, and they're like, you're having a boy. And we were like... Oh, you know, and so it's going to be hard when we have to like explain to him that he's the disappointment of our family. And so I'm just kidding. I would never do that. Um, Yeah. So last time I spoke, uh, it was a little bit of a heavier message. And so this morning I actually get to do something a little bit more fun and a little more light. We get to to talk about the Psalms. And so we're going to look at Psalm 100. 
uh, Psalm 100. And so uh, it's interesting as I was thinking about how to set this up, and you know, the Psalms are always an interesting uh, uh, book in the Bible because how do you interpret some of this? Because a lot of the Bible is God's words to us, and the Psalms typically tend to be God's or our words to God. Uh, and it's interesting as you read through, it, it creates some sort of, uh, some, some challenges in interpretation and how you interpret some of the Psalms. And um, a lot of them, if you know, I mean, you guys have talked about this in this community, is that over half of the Psalms are lament, which is great because it teaches us how to, to speak honestly and openly with God when we go through uh, tough times and hard times. And it doesn't hide anything, which is beautiful because you see sort of the raw emotion um, of the, the, the Psalm writers. And so uh, this morning, when we look at the Psalm 100, it's different. In Psalm 100, uh, it's more of praise and thankfulness. And so maybe that some of that's what we need to hear this morning is what does it look like um, to take a posture of praise and thankfulness. And so what I want to do is I want to just start by reading Psalm 100 together. Now, uh, the Psalms, this Psalm in particular was meant to be sang in a worship setting um, together collectively when a community would come and give a thank offering. And, and this is Hebrew, Hebrew poetry. And so there's sort of a, there's a rhythm, there's a, there's a meter, there's a way that it should be uh, sung. Now, uh, for the benefit of your ears and my dignity, I'm not going to sing this psalm. But uh, we're going to read it together and sort of just let it soak in, let it sit in our hearts this morning as we read Psalm 100. So it starts with this. Shout for joy to the Lord, all of the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. And what you'll begin to see in the Psalms here is this synonymous parallelism. The first verse is going to be uh, strengthened by the second verse, and you're going to see how this continues throughout these, four, these five verses. Know that the Lord is good. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Now as we think about um, sort of this idea of the Psalms being this, this particular one, coming into a, a setting, a worship setting, a corporate setting and singing it, um, you know, religion in its, in its core has a tendency towards, towards rituals, Right? Um, we have different rituals that we do around the church. You've been, probably experienced it, been a part of it, and we, some of us just kind of do them because that's just how things have always been done, uh, which is what I love about this community is that you as a community are willing to, to question some of those rituals, to push back against why do we do things the way they've always been done? Can we do things differently? Is there room to express it differently? Which I love about this community, that they're not holding to some of these, these rituals as sacred cows, but you're willing to say, hey, why do we do this, and is there a reason? But I love, uh, I love when you look at this, this one, and rituals aren't necessarily bad either. Some of them are good. In fact, they actually help identify us as a tribe and as a people and as sort of a, a group that believes similar thoughts. Like, the rituals are actually a good thing. And I think there's, an actual, there's actually some, some scientific evidence to back up some of the rituals that we do, that they actually strengthen our mind. We'll talk a little bit about more of that when we jump into this. But this morning, I thought we would talk about the ritual of thankfulness. The ritual of thankfulness. So before we jump in, I'd like to just pray for us as we get started this morning. Uh, God, thank you for the time that we get to share together. Thank you that we get to be in this space, um, that we get to be safe enough to belong, to ask any questions, that we're here collectively with a, a unity of our, our spirit and our mind. 
We, we, we seek to honor you with this service, with this space. We hope that it brings glory and honor to you. And we pray that it would reach um, those who are far from you, those who are questioning, those who are doubting. We pray that this community would be um, like the light, like a lighthouse, and so that people can find their way and navigate their way here and find safe harbor. God, we're, we're grateful for the Eries and all that they've poured into this place. We pray that you would um, protect them as they travel, that you'd comfort them, give them peace um, as they go on their journey today into the bowels of America. God, we thank you for them. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. So I need your help. We're going to play along here a little bit. Um, so I, we're going to move towards like uh, Christmas. I know it's not Christmas yet. It's only, it's, it's July, but we're going to think about Christmas rituals. So what are some of the Christmas holiday rituals that you guys sort of find yourself in, you know, routinely every year? Just throw some out there. I'd love to hear it. Not all at once. What is it? Put up a tree. Now, okay, real or fake? Raise your hand if you're real. Okay. Raise your hand if you're a fake tree. Heathens, all of you. Heathens. Okay. All right. What else? What else? Some other ones. What is it? Lights? Lights. Great. You guys who go travel to go look at lights? It's fun, right? Yeah. What else? What are some other ones that you guys do? Gingerbread. What was the other one? Tomales. Come on, somebody. Do you have access to those? Do, can we get those around Christmas time? Because, man, we'll take orders right now if we could do that. What else? 12 Days of Christmas. Awesome. Do you guys sing that together? Is that like, no? Oh, okay. Sorry, I was thinking. Oh, that's so great. That's awesome. That's a great one. That's awesome. Of course, that would come from the Erie household. It's so great. I'm like, Home Alone. Yeah, we love Home Alone. Elf, yeah. So you see that we have a lot of these different rituals that we partake in, and they're, and they're good. They're, they're good. And so maybe some of you have, um, do you have like a morning ritual? I have a morning ritual. When I wake up, you can't talk to me until I've had coffee. Does anybody have to do that? Is that anybody, like you just, you wake up in the morning, and if there's anybody in the house who's awake, you know, I fear for their souls. Because um, I have to have coffee in order to get myself awake. And then one of the things I like to do is I like to watch, the, just watch the morning news. I just, for some reason, I know it's terrible sometimes and it's corny and cheesy, but I just have to have coffee and I have to do that in the morning, right? Does anybody ever have some of those things? You know, I don't know, whatever the things are for you. But you know, they're part of our, our rhythms and sort of what we do. And so they're not all bad. Uh, but what happens is that sometimes we lose perspective on what these things actually do for us. And what do I mean by that? Dallas Willard says, He's famous for saying that familiarity breeds unfamiliarity. And thus, we miss the deeper meaning behind some of the things that we do. You, you understand what he's saying here, that when we're familiar with something, we sort of become unfamiliar with it. We don't really remember why or what we're doing and for that reason. Here's a perfect example. Uh, we say things like, literally, all the time. So I don't know about your community, uh, but some of the, the generational people I speak with, we say things like, literally, but we don't actually mean it literally. We mean it figuratively. Like the other day, my wife was talking about, this guy was literally on fire. I'm like, well, he was burning at the stake. Like, what is that? No, 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 no. You know what I mean? Like it was hot outside. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we say things like that. We lose sort of the meaning of what it is, right? We say things like, like love, right? We say that all the time. Like, I love chocolate cake. But you can't actually love chocolate. Well, my wife could probably love chocolate, but most of us could not love chocolate cake, right? You can't look after chocolate cake. 
care for its well-being, see it into the future, put its needs. You just can't do that. But we say things like that all the time, right? We love tacos, but we don't really love tacos. We like tacos. And so we sort of lose the meaning of what it actually means. And so this morning when we talk about thankfulness, we want to sort of reclaim that meaning, reclaim what it does for us. I think for us, and for me specifically, like spiritually, I fall into this big time. Because I get, I get so wrapped up in the routine or the ritual. And what happens is sort of that ritual replaces the relationship that I'm supposed to be having with God. That I sort of fall in love with the relationship. And so there I am using the word love. I, I, I fall into this pattern where I'm sort of worshiping the ritual and not God. I lose the meaning of what it was supposed to do. The ongoing narrative in Scripture is, is God desiring relationship with his people. You look at that from the very beginning, right? That God wants relationship with his people. He is initiating relationship. And in the beginning in Genesis, we see in the garden that there's sin that enters in, right? And that causes a separation. And so we're in this struggle to regain that connection with God. And so God introduces uh, and institutes a way for us to sort of come back into relationship through, through sacrifice and we see that in Scripture, and this is, again, God moving towards relationship, wanting to engage in a deeper relationship with us. But then you just look at Israel for uh, an example. What happens is those rituals become something that they end up worshiping, and they lose the perspective and what it was meant to do. I mean, you think about the golden calf, right? Just only if you, uh, just after they have gotten out of exile, they, they, they wreck this golden calf, and they begin to worship the golden calf. Throughout Scripture, you see these moments where, where they miss it. And, and we're no different. We fall into that same pattern where we miss the point. Uh, and one another psalm, in Psalm 50, the psalmist writes this, For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. He's speaking as if God is talking to us. He says, I know every bird of the mountains and everything that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine in all that it contains. Shall I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of male goats? The psalmist here is using hyperbole. He, he's actually exaggerating something here to sort of prove a point, to show that, um, that when we try to bring something to God as sort of our sacrifice and we, we, we have this ritual that we think is going to, to make God happy somehow, he's, he's saying, I don't need those things. The futility in bringing those things. And so the psalmist is reminding us that no, 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 no. Don't fall in love with that thing. Understand that God desires relationship with us. So the psalmist brings up a good point that we might ask ourselves this morning. What in your life are some of those things that have become rituals for you? What are maybe some of the things that we, we offer up as things to sort of create relationship with God? You know, I'm, I'm bad at this. This is, if, any, if there's anywhere that I win uh, in a bad way, it's this way. Because uh, for me, I grew up um, at, in a sports home. Uh, so if you've ever grown up in a sports home where your parents were very much about, you know, going into sports, and, and I was an athlete. And so uh, for me, uh, I grew up with this mentality that I had to perform. You know, if I, was, if I did the right things, if I, if I worked out enough, if I, if I did this and I did that, then I would get playing time and the coach would be happy. And so I, I have this mentality that I need to please in order to be accepted. Anybody else experience that in their life? 
And so I wasn't a Christian. I grew up in a, in a Christian home. But when I became a Christian, uh, I took that same concept with me into my relationship with God. And so I get it bad a lot because I love to perform and I want to be good and I want God to love me. And so everything that I do is based on this performance and these rituals. And so I get it bad. And I, and I came up in a church, man, where um, it was like, it was honored and praised if you read your Bible every day. And that was the measurement of your spirituality. And so for a person like me who's performance driven, I could do that. I could put a number next to every day I read and I could hold it as a badge of honor. Like God loves me because I look at this and how much I read my Bible and I pray every day, right? I'm a good Christian. And like, can we just stop for a second and think about this? Like, before, before the printing press, most people were illiterate and couldn't read their Bible, right? They just, they didn't have a Bible to read. And so what did we consider those people? So, you know, today we sort of pull apart and we, we're deconstructing what does that look like? But, but for me, I get it. I get it wrong. I hold on to these things as performance and these rituals that sort of make me pleasing in God's sight when in reality, God loves me for who I am. I didn't have to do anything. And that's sort of what the psalmist is getting at in this, this Psalm 50. Like, what, what can you bring me? I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I have everything. You think that I want to drink the, uh, the, the blood of male goats and the flesh of bulls? I, I don't need that. You see, God desires relationship. And if we focus solely on what we can offer, what we can bring, then, you know, it just becomes us and not really us and God. It's just ourselves. We're alone in this. And, and what happens is, for me, uh, growing up in that environment and in my, my spiritual life and, and really just trying to perform and become very legalistic and I'll do this and I'll do this every day, what happened is I became tired. I became bitter. I became frustrated and angry. And literally, I like, I, I'm working at a church and I go, I don't want to read the Bible. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I'm tired of it. Why? Maybe some of you have felt that. Some of you have experienced that in your relationship with the church and the Bible, and you sort of go, why, why? I don't, I, I don't like this. And it took me a long time to sort of rekindle this desire to want to be in God's Word, to open it and to look at it and to let it, like, wash over me. But I had sort of lost it. I sort of lost the, again, the familiarity bred unfamiliarity. And so the psalmist is careful to reject the sacrifice because when human achievement replaces the human encounter with God, that's a problem. That's a problem. He reminds us that those are just things, and God doesn't need more things. In Psalm 50, verse 14, he continues on. He says, instead, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. If you're going to sacrifice anything, make thankfulness that. Keep your vows that you made to the Most High, then call on me when you're in trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will give me glory. You hear the, 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 the relational piece there. Just, just make thankfulness your sacrifice. If you're going to do anything, if you're going to give anything, just give thankfulness to me. That's hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to be thankful, truly, truly thankful, especially when our lives are caught up in things, and, and it's, it's hard. I mean, we go through seasons that are tough and they seem miserable and bleak and, and, and where's the end? And the, and the Psalms don't hide that, right? So many of the Psalms are, are, are crying out to God, how could you let this happen? Why am I here? How is this happening? Have you forgotten me? Look down, where, where are you? And then yet in the same, same Psalm, there's this understanding, this, this, okay, God, 
I acknowledge that you're here. I acknowledge that you're with me. Make thankfulness your sacrifice. Keep the vows that you made to the Most High. Then call on me when you're in trouble. Isn't that great? God says, call on me when you're in trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will give me glory. How great is that? That we get to call on God when when we're in trouble, and it actually brings glory to God. This, This simple invitation and declaration. I love that. It's this, this invitation and declaration. I, I love that. One of the times I was here last, um, I heard Izzy in worship say this, and it stuck with me. She said, worship is invitation, uh, not coercion. Like, we're not trying to manipulate you. This isn't to try to make you do anything. We're not selling hype. This is an invitation to stand in the presence of God. And I love that because that's what the psalmist is, is doing. It's this invitation into the presence of God with all of your messiness, with all of the brokenness, with sadness and hurt and loss and pain, but maybe even some things are good, that we get to come before God and sacrifice thankfulness. When you read Psalm 100, one of the things that you'll notice is that there is this threefold invitation that the words draw us deeper and deeper and deeper into intimacy and relationship with God. And we're going to kind of look at that just in a brief, short little thing here. Um, each word, if you look at it, shout, worship, and come. In, the, in Psalm 100, verse 1, says this, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Invitation. Shout and worship. It's this idea of to proclaim his goodness, to speak of his goodness, of who he is. Jesus models this in the Lord's Prayer. You remember our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He, he, he elevates God's character and his nature and who he is. He puts him on this, this high place. And, and it's, it's inviting us in this first one. It's to shout, to proclaim, to worship. And then it says to come into his presence. Worship with gladness and come before him with joyful song. It moves us towards coming into his presence. You see how it's the threefold invitation. It gets deeper and more intimate with each one of the words. And I contrast that. Look what the psalmist does. Contrast that with verse 2. Now it's invitation with affirmation. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. The threefold affirmation. Know that he is God. Know that he made us, and we are his. Do you see how the psalmist draws us in deeper into more intimate relationship. Remember I told you the overarching narrative is that God desires deep relationship and intimacy with his people. The psalmist is proclaiming this each time. The words, there's this poetic language that's being used to say, hey, come deeper into my presence. It goes invitation, affirmation, and it continues as you go through the the different psalms. So the, the next one, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. The invitation, enter, give thanks, praise. Then the last one, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. Do you hear the affirmation again? His faithfulness continues through all generations. A threefold affirmation, good, love, faithfulness. The psalmist is drawing us deeper into the relationship and the intimacy that God desires. You gotta love the picture here, right, that he uses about we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. This is shepherd culture, right? They understood what we don't understand about shepherds. You know, we tend to think that the whole job of a shepherd is 
to herd sheep. That's what a shepherd is, right? They herd sheep. But in this time, that's not simply it. It's more than that. They would give their life. It was devoted to caring for these sheep. These sheep became like their family. They looked after them. They slept with them. They take care of them. They, they brought them to, to the places where they could eat and drink, and it was, they protected them from animals. And what the psalmist is painting this picture is, is that, that this is how God sees us, as the shepherd who's looking after us. Now, he uses sheep, and we are the sheep. And have you ever been around sheep? Yeah, this is not a flattering picture of us, right? Sheep are not the most intelligent animals. And yet, the shepherd gives his life for the sheep to take care of them, to watch them, to be with them. Drawing deeper into intimacy and relationship, the psalmist paints this picture. No matter where we are at, no matter what happens, he is the one who provides and cares for us because we are his. Now, Again, some scholars believe uh, that this Psalm 100 was sang during the thank offering to God, that uh, when the people would come and they would give a thank, thanksgiving offering to God on an altar, they would sing this song together. So you could just imagine a whole corporate setting of people singing together. It sounds like a ritual, and it is a ritual. There's a, there's a reason for this ritual that they would sing it together. Now, we have these rituals, and I talked about this. We have these rituals in culture. We have these rituals in our church culture. We do some of them, and again, they're not bad. In fact, neuroscience, neuropathology, is actually shedding light into the power of spiritual disciplines and rituals. They're able to look at our brains and see something very, very interesting that's happening. You see, we tend to think that we are simply the activity of our conscious thoughts, that everything that we do is based on our conscious thoughts. But, but science and neuroscience is actually showing that below the surface in our subconscious are thousands more different things that are happening that are actually steering the ship. Our, our urges, our moods, our thought patterns, all of these things happen at a subconscious level, changing our moods. And so what neuroscience is showing is that things like disciplines and rituals of worship have the ability to shape deeply our conscious thoughts. Think about that for a second. There's a reason why, why, why God desires us to be in this relationship with these certain things and these patterns that we do because they actually begin to shape our brains. And so you think about your life and you go, man, it's, it's tough. I'm in a tough season. Things are looking hopeless and bleak. And you look at the Psalms and the psalmists suffer the same things and then yet there's this ritual of thankfulness that comes shortly after and there's a reason because at a subconscious level it's transforming it's shaping our our mind to think differently so in the midst of pain and brokenness we can sort of go through and say okay i'm going to put myself in this position of thankfulness even though it doesn't feel like it i'm going to put myself in this position of thankfulness and here's what's interesting you ready for this neuroscience today is proving this Paul talked about this in Romans chapter 12. He talked about us being renewed by the transforming of our minds. How does a mind become transformed? We put ourselves in these positions that are shaping. We put ourselves in position. This is great, right? The psalmist is telling us to be in a position that you don't have to do things, that you don't have to try to get you know, yourself ready and prepared and bring all of your good things and your legalism and all the things that you've done to, to, to offer up a sacrifice. No, remember the psalmist said, come with thanksgiving and be in position to experience God. Be in position. Be ready. If God is going to show up, 
We want to be in position. Again, not manipulation, not coercion. We're not trying to conjure God in any way. We're saying simply that I'm going to put myself in a position that is most optimal to experience the ultimate reality of God. That's the power of meditation. That's the power even of of reading scripture. That's the power of standing in a corporate setting and worshiping together. It's kind of why we do that, because it's shaping at a subconscious level. It puts us in a position that if we're going to have a spiritual encounter with God, well, we want to be in position to have that happen. And if we're not, then we can't. How powerful is that? How powerful is that, that that God put these in his word for us so that we could find ourselves in positions to really hear and experience God? A position of thankfulness. Positions of gratitude and praise. We come into a setting like this and we say, I'm going to stand in all of my brokenness and all of my hurt and also in the trust that God is working, that he sees me. It's deeply, deeply shaping and transforming of our mind. We find ourselves in positions to encounter God. Invitation and intimacy is engaged in these moments. How powerful is it that we get to do these things together? You can do them by yourself as well. But what would it look like for us as a community to continue to enter into these places to say, I'm going to be in position. As hard as it may be, I'm going to be in position so that if God chooses to speak and show up, I'll be ready. And not out of legalism because we can't bring anything. There's nothing I can do. God's happy with who I am. He loves me. He's not mad at me. But I'm simply going to put myself in a position of thankfulness. Because I believe that as I do that, it's deeply transforming and shaping of my, my mind. And once it's here, it begins to shape my heart. And that's the way the Psalms were written. Deeply emotive, going to our heart through our minds. What season are you in? Are you in a season where you can do that? Maybe not yet. Maybe not yet. Maybe you'll get there. As you continue to walk out this journey and process what you're feeling and experience, you can find yourself in a position of thankfulness, the ritual of of saying thank you, of praise, saying you're here. I think it's shaping, it's transforming for us, and it's shaping and transforming for others in our lives. That's my encouragement to you this morning. Sound good? Let me pray for us before we um, take communion. God, thank you. Thank you that we get to be together and we get to share in this ritual of thankfulness and, and praise and proclamation of your goodness. And thank you that even when it doesn't feel like it, even in the midst of our life and it doesn't seem like it's good and it seems dark and hopeless, we can bring all of that to you and enter it into your presence and you accept all of it, all of us, wholly and completely. And you shape and transform our minds. Help us to be that community Um, who finds ourselves in positions to experience and encounter you for deeper relationship and deeper intimacy. God, we thank you. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Communion is one of those things that puts us in position. And so um, as we go to worship, I want to invite you that the tables are now open.
Uh, Vox community, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to get to be here with you and to share. Uh, I want to invite you, um, I think there's dodgeball here at one o'clock in the gym. You can go home um, and then come back and get ready. Uh, there's signups, I think, out there as well. And so uh, if you're interested in doing that, then you want to do that after. I, I think this is what I think is cool. I always say that church happens out on the patio. Like real church, when we get around each other and hang out and have conversations, that's when like real church happens. So I think there's coffee and stuff out there. I'd love to, to just meet you if I haven't had a chance to meet you and say hi to you um, and hopefully just hear some cool stories and talk with you a little bit. Uh, but before you go, uh, I just want to just, just pour blessing and, and encouragement out over you guys as you go. And um, what would it look like for us to, to take the posture of thankfulness, to find ourselves in positions of gratitude so that there's a shaping, a transforming of our minds so that um, in the tough times we can find that posture as well. So uh, would, you, uh, would you just do this? Would you stand real quick? Would you stand real quick? We're going to do a, pos- a posture positioning thing here. Uh, just hoping your hands out like this. This is just a posture of receiving a blessing in your life. God, would you look down and see your children who love you? Um, God, would you protect them? Would you encourage them? Would you cause your grace, your mercy to walk with them? We acknowledge your ever-present presence in our life. Would you give us strength and courage to love you more and to love your people? It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Go in God's grace. Thanks for listening to the Vox Community Podcast. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash voxcommunity. Participate in the Vox Community at voxoc.com slash participate.